We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Welcome to Yule Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and joining me today is not my sister and co-host, Maddie Stangle, but is my friend and fellow Cultivate member, Christina, from the Spooky Tales podcast. Yes, hello. Excited to be here. Thank you for joining me last minute because I am super cool and don't plan for other people's lives. (laughs) Hey, I don't plan for any lives, including my own (laughs) or my children, so I get it. (laughs) Maddie is on a business trip that I kind of forgot about and just kind of slacked on my notes. So here we are. So thank you, Christina, for pitching in. You're welcome. All right, we will jump right into it. We are continuing with our LGBTQIA plus stories. So this week we will be discussing Anne Morrow, and information was pulled from the following sources. A 2022 Sharon Lathan post, 2018 Homosexuality in 18th Century England article, 2017 Journal of Legal History article by Caroline Derry, 2007 University of Westminster School of Law PhD thesis by Caroline Louise Derry, The X Classics, Pillory History, Rhea Brodell, and two Wikipedia links. And links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. Got something you want to say? Shoot us an email over at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your story ideas, see any gifts you send our way, or if you just want to say hello. We're pretty friendly. Speaking of friendly, if you'd like to have real-time conversations with us, consider joining our Discord over at the Cultivate Network. You can chat with us over at the Old Crimers Cubby or catch up with any of the other great creators that are part of the Cultivate family of podcasts. Just click the link in our show notes or over on our link tree to get started today. Do not be confused by my abundance of source material. I have managed to pick a case that was really difficult to find information on. (laughs) (laughs) Some of them, some of them be like that. And the frustrating part is if I actually lived in the UK where this case takes place, I could have better access to the documentation that exists surrounding her because it's in person, but you can't find it digitally. Okay. Yeah. You could go to their archives and look at it in person. But if you want to see it digitally, you got to cough up that coin so they'll scan it for you and send it to you. And then even that takes like a good while too. Yeah. And there was another story I looked into for the Father's Day collaboration that we recently did with a bunch of other podcasts. Mm -hmm. And for that story, it was the same thing where they're like, oh, yeah, we have all this information on him. You would just need to pay us like 200 some dollars for it. (laughs) I was like, you know, this is for like an eight minute segment and I don't have $200 (laughs) to throw at this. Sorry. Yeah. I don't spend that kind of money on other segments. So (laughs) no, we're just going to go with what we got. So we're just going to go with Wikipedia. (laughs) Wikipedia and the random weird pieces I was able to find on the internet. So (laughs) 
With that being said, normally, if this was a normal case, I would start at the beginning of Anne's life to give some context into who she was and what got her to what we'll be discussing today. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, like I said, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell you when she was born, Damn. when she died, okay. wow. and how long she lived. I can't give you any of that. <laughs> Wild. Okay. Well, I'm excited. So what I can give you is a very brief snapshot into who Anne was and kind of why we're talking about her. Okay. So I came across Anne during my research into Molly Houses, which is the first case we covered for June. Mm-hmm. And Richter Norton had mentioned her in his source book, which was like the bulk of my resources for that episode, which is linked to in the show notes. So if you really want to like dive down the Richter Norton rabbit hole about homosexuality in the 17th and 18th centuries in the UK, please do so. Sounds fascinating. It is a fascinating read if you have like hours of time to just continue to navigate those, but I don't. Same. I highly recommend it. It is a fascinating read. In July of 1777, Anne Morrow, who also went by the last names of Marlowe, Marhow, mm, okay. Moro, and Marish, was found guilty of committing fraud, which doesn't sound um. so bad. I mean, I love a fraud story. I love a scam. So Mm -hmm. I'm already on her side. Yeah. So it doesn't really sound so bad until you hear what that supposed fraud actually was. Oh, is this not real fraud? Okay. It's not real fraud. I wouldn't (laughs) consider it to be real fraud. But in the 1700s, a little bit different story. So on July 5th, 1777, Anne was convicted at the quarter sessions of Westminster of going in men's clothes and personating a man in marriage, not just Mm -hmm. with one, but with three women, three different women. (laughs) Oh, okay. And supposedly defrauding them of their money and effects. So. Um, Okay. Yeah. I'm still on her side. No. (laughs) I'm still kind of on her side. I mean, if you have the time... And it doesn't seem like it was a bigamist type of relationship. Like it was just like over the course of time, she had impersonated, quote unquote, a man and then married three separate women. At That's what I interpret it to be. Not that she had like a bunch of sister wives that she right, right. accumulated. That reminds me, there was like a story. I heard it on Scam Goddess, like not that long ago. Some guy, I want to say somewhere in the middle of the country, might have been even Texas. I don't remember, but he married like three different women or he he had a wife and he was talking to two other women like on Facebook and dating them and then they all found each other (laughs) some wild story (laughs) like that which is I mean it is fraud (laughs) yeah for real so (laughs) so in this instance she received a sentence of three months imprisonment and was forced to stand once in and upon the pillory at Charing Cross which I will come back to I will come back to that because it's a whole thing (laughs) (laughs) so she was prosecuted by a man named george field who was a schoolmaster of all things in hammersmith Mm -hmm. and he paid the court 40 pounds which is around 5300 pounds today so wow a substantial amount of money for recognizance fee or essentially bond back on may 1st of 1777 to prove to the court that he could be called upon at trial to act as a witness to back up his claims. So basically saying, I know what I'm saying is right. So when you call me into court, I can get that money back 
for not like just accusing somebody and then never showing up. You know what I mean? Okay. 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 I get it. Now that you explained it in today's terms, because I was like, uh, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I had to look up what reconnaissance, recognizance was. Yeah. I was like, I have never heard that term before. But yeah, essentially bond, like a bond payment. Okay. Makes sense. During her trial, he listed her name as Charles Ann Marlowe, with the name Charles later being crossed out in the records, noting that it's perhaps the moniker she used when she married her alleged wives. Okay. And were these marriages running at the same time, or were they like she left one and then remarried as a man? It doesn't say, but I I take it to be throughout the course of her life, she had three separate relationships okay but that's what i was wondering because then that's not a scam but if she was marrying all three of them as a man at the same time Mm -hmm. that is a scam (laughs) yeah and again i also know very little about him because i don't know if it's something where he if he's a schoolmaster if this is a situation where maybe they all had children from other relationships that went to his school i have no idea that's what i'm wondering why is he the one who brought this to court? What does he have yeah. to do with this? I don't know why um, he has skin in the game in this. Like, is one of is his wife one of her supposed wives from the past? Did, and he has did like one of those some... women leave him for Charles Morrow? Yeah, it's like I don't know. It just seems like that is a lot of money to prosecute somebody for no reason. You know what I mean? Yeah, There's... it has to be it has to be personal to put down that much money. Like I Yeah. If I had to speculate, which I will because I love speculating. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bend my arm. I'm going to do it. I think he's probably one of the one of those women probably left him to be with her and then he found out, "Oh, this isn't even like a man. This is a woman. I must I don't know, get her jailed or whatever which i don't know yeah i need to prove my manhood by being like that's not okay and then see that she's imprisoned for making a fool of me or something because i would imagine Mm -hmm. even back then as a school teacher yes it was considered like middle tier profession so it, it was you made a decent amount of money but not like a lot of money so right right i mean i i always picture this time period as like you're either super poor or you're super rich and there's no in between. Yeah, there's not a lot of in between. Yeah. What's the kid that is like an, an orphanage and this guy writes Oliver over? Twist? Yeah. You're either Oliver Twist or you're the guy giving Oliver Twist that spoonful of like porridge and he's like, more please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I picture uh, George Field as the spoon feeding guy. And yes. yeah. So that's kind of where I'm picturing where we're at. Yeah, so I'm like, why does he have that much money? Yeah, it's to do this. Like, it just seems like there's some sort of personal like grudge thing yeah. going on there. There has to be. Yeah. So, in a snippet from the July 7th edition of the General Evening Post, it states, "Quote: On Saturday last, a woman was convicted at the Guildhall, Westminster, for going in men's clothes and being married to three different women by a fictitious name." End quote. And the day after that, on July 8th, a similar article was included in the public advertiser. Quote, on Saturday at the sessions held at the Guildhall Westminster, a woman was convicted of marrying three different women and defrauding them of their money, clothes, and other things before her sex was discovered to stand on the pillory at Charing Cross within a month and to be imprisoned six months in Newgate, end quote. 
six months. What is this standing at the something Pillsbury? At, at, the, at the pillory? Pillory, yes. Yes. We are very close to me explaining what the pillory okay, is because <laughs> it is not a cool thing. Oh, okay. So the last newspaper got it a little bit wrong. The public oh, advertiser okay. was incorrect when they stated that she would be imprisoned at Newgate. In fact, she was held in custody at the House of Correction in Clerkenwell. They're kind of next to each other, so I can get okay. why they would get that wrong, but yeah. it kind of comes back later. Okay. So in a petition that was submitted on behalf of, quote, Anne Marish, because again, Marish was one of her supposed last names. Right. It stated the following, quote, your petitioner was convicted at this present quarter sessions for a fraud at the prosecution of George Field and received sentence to be imprisoned in the House of Correction at Clerkenwell for six months and between the hours of 11 and 2 on blank day within the first month of the secured term to be set in the pillory for the space of one hour at Charing Cross. Your petitioner struck with the most alarming terror at that truly shameful and most dangerous punishment of standing in the pillory, humbly implores and earnestly beseeches of this honorable court a remission of that part of the sentence, and your petitioner, as in duty bound, shall ever pray, etc. End quote. Yes, yes. Now, if you were saying that today, what does that mean? <laughs> okay. So we've discussed being, being pilloried in the past, but if you're new, it's when your head and hands are bound within two wooden boards while you oh my are God. on public okay. display. Okay, I have seen pictures of this. I didn't know that was the name. Ooh. Yes. Dating back as far as the 13th century, it was originally designed to house traders who had swindled their patrons out of money. After 1637, it was recognized as punishment for anyone who published books illegally or anyone who basically spread libel about the government. Wow. And the reason people were so freaked out about being put in the pillory is because it essentially puts you at the mercy of the public. Oh, because you're like trapped there and can they just do whatever to you? Yep. So it wasn't uncommon for like rotten eggs, vegetables or even actual shit to be hurled at anyone that was unlucky enough to be put in the stocks. Oh my god. In Anne's case, she was forced to endure the pillory at Charing Cross, which was originally known as the village of Charing. It was the most famous pillory in London, just south of Trafalgar Square at the junction of Strand, Whitehall, and Cockspur Street. In a quote from the book Crime, Punishment, and Reform in Europe, quote, the crowd played an important role. As a form of legally sanctioned street theater, each pillory event relied upon the audience for its success. Ew, that's so barbaric. Oh my god. I know. In a carnival-like atmosphere, people crowded the streets and surrounding buildings in an attempt to get the best vantage point to view the offender's punishment. End quote. Wow. Now, we never get Anne's side of the story, to know if the supposed thefts of both money and clothes have any sort of validity or to know what the wife situation was as far as like, right. They were in succession or they were all at the same time. Yeah. We do know that the punishment of the pillory wasn't very common at this point. It really oh. only happened on average, maybe five times a year. Wow. And at this time in history, it was usually for quote unquote, unnatural sexual offenses. Uh, okay, so they saved it for the gays, basically. Yes. 
Wow. And perjury. And we also know, based on her petition to have it removed from her sentence, that she was well aware of how her quote-unquote unnatural lesbianism would be viewed by the public. Yeah. Wow. I take it that it was not removed? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. So when her petition failed, okay. she was oh made to stand in the pillory at Charing Cross in London on July 22nd, 1777, from noon to 1 p.m. So keep in mind, this is during one hour period of time. Mm -hmm. It's while she's there that so great was the public's outrage against her, she was pelted numerous times in the female oh part. God. Oh my God, that's disgusting. And so severely that she lost sight in both of her eyes. Oh my God, that's terrible. I don't care what she did. She does not deserve this. No oh one God. deserves that. <gasps> That's terrible. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you need to keep in mind this is a huge market square. And because it was so heavily policed, the only people who would have been able to pelt Anne and get away with it were actually other women. Oh, my God. So this was other women doing this to her. Wow. Wow. That's just worse. Oh, my God. Yeah. The next day, on July 23rd, the Morning Chronicle reported the following, quote, Yesterday, a woman stood in the pillory from 12 till 1 o'clock at Charing Cross for marrying three wives and obtaining sums of money from each of them. The case being singular and uncommon excited the curiosity of several thousands of people to see her, from some of whom she received a severe pelting, end quote. Thousands. Oh, my God thousands of people because this was something that up until her being put on in the pillory it was written about in the papers so it was getting media like i mean like is media the right word i don't know yeah so, so it was like getting media, media attention. attention yeah yeah so like people knew ahead of time she's gonna be in the stocks at this from this from here to here have at it it was basically an advertisement yeah and i'm sure she was presented like oh this abomination of a person because she's a woman who was with other women. So yeah, that's they set her up. Yeah, pretty much. On August 2nd, 1777, so this is about a week later, a little over a week later, the London Evening Post noted the following, quote, Anne Morrow, who stood in the pillory at Charing Cross on Tuesday, is now so dangerously ill in Clerkenwell Bridewell from the ill treatment she received from a lawless mob, that her death is hourly expected, she <gasps> having lost the sight of both her eyes, end quote. So they, they killed her? Pretty much. So they essentially oh beat her God. to death. Wow. And unfortunately, after this, we really don't learn any more about her, which is really oh. sad because it would have been great to know, like, when she died. Not that it's something where it'd be like, oh, great, she died, and she didn't get to serve her six months in prison. Right. But more like, how long did she have to suffer after getting beat to death, beat essentially? Like that. yeah. And to be blinded by it, you know, that's... That's, that's terrible. I did look into the prison where she was held, Clerkenwell Bridewell. Opened in 1615, it was originally built as a prison and correctional facility for sex workers and the homeless, in the Clerkenwell area north of London. It was essentially an overflow prison for people who were being okay. held at Newgate 
and it ended up closing oh. in 1794. Newgate is the one that she was confused that newspaper. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So maybe she had originally gone to Newgate, but then they moved her to the overflow prison. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't a whole lot of information about it. Regardless, from what little is known that I've been able to find about her, she was a proud woman who did nothing more than just live who she was as a lesbian. Yeah. And maybe, maybe she was a scammer, but you know what? It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Still on her side. Maybe yeah. she married these three women at the same time. We don't know that. And and even if she did, she was living her best life. Yeah. You know? So, I don't know. It's just... Wow. But just hearing what happened to her is just heartbreaking. Because to me, and I think to her as well, because she wouldn't have petitioned to have that removed if she didn't know or have some inkling of what was going to happen to her. Yeah. You know? At that point, I would have just been like, just kill me if you're if you're if yeah, this is what do it is right going to potentially happen just do it just yeah because that's so painful that's so mm-hmm. painful and she clearly i mean it seems that she died from her injuries later on mm-hmm. so not only to suffer an hour from these injuries but that they were so bad that she passed away from them in a few days after that like that's yeah terrible yeah i just can't even oh and the fact that thousands of people showed up Thousands of people were that incensed by what she did that they were like, we got to throw whatever at her, you know, just. Yeah. And then it's like, it's, I don't know, people, people clearly are the worst. Yeah. (laughs) But it's like the same time, isn't this? I mean, hangings weren't on for a while, but like, weren't they like super public and like, yep, just like all these, I don't know, horrible punishments that. People went and they just watched and participated yeah. in, apparently. Yeah. It's just disgusting. Yeah. And it's like, I get if it was something where they allowed murderers to be put in the stocks. But these were people that didn't really commit these horrible crimes. crimes. No. Like, if you recall, like one of them was typically they put people in there for publishing books without getting approval first. Absolutely or wild. Or saying something horrible about the government, like making fun of the monarchy, you know, like not something that would be like, oh, we got to stone this person to death type of crimes. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, yeah, I just think it's horrifying. Terrible. R.I.P. And that's what happened to you is not okay. No. Oh, my God. If you're interested in ad free content, consider supporting us with a one time donation either over on Buy Me a Coffee or our Venmo page, both of which are in our link tree and in the show notes. If you'd like early ad-free content, not to mention some bonus material, become a member of our Patreon today for as low as a dollar a month. Let's see. No. Not ready to watch that yet. Uh-uh. You know what? I'll just watch this again. Do you ever find yourself doom scrolling your streamer looking for something to watch, but just end up rewatching the same shows over and over again? Hi, I'm Dustin, and welcome to the Rewatch Recap, a show where guests and I rewatch every episode in a TV season or a classic TV movie to see if it holds up and making fun of the parts that don't. <laughs> so come on, rewatchers, let's revisit these shows together every Monday on the Rewatch Recap, wherever podcasts are played. On a lighter note, this yes. week's podcast plug <laughs> is the Rewatch Recap Podcast. You can join host Dustin from the Dustin Can Read and Watch Podcast 
and a special guest host every Monday as they recap a single season of a random television series or classic TV movies. And we'll have a link to their show in the show notes. So this week's listener question comes from our friend Dustin from Sandman Stories Presents. And he wants to know, what's one story where you felt relieved when the main villain was killed, even though you knew that everyone was dead because it was an old story? So what's something okay. you heard of from a, from a while ago where you're like, even though everybody's dead, I'm so glad that the person who made who did this crime is dead as well. Okay, okay. I got to think about this. God, I feel like that most of the things that I end up covering, nobody, whoever did the horrible thing is still alive and still mm -hmm. remain in power. And there is no happy ending ever. Yeah. And so I can't even say like, oh, I'm so glad that that person died because they, they're fine and they live their life. And the people that they hurt did not, you know, mm -hmm. like history wise, like all the stories, because, you know, they usually mm -hmm. tend to do with colonization in, in my podcast. Yeah. And yeah. No, nah, most people don't pay for any of that. <laughs> so. Yeah. I'm going to say, okay, this was episode 74, and this is back from November of 2021. Juan Diaz de Guerrero. Oh, yeah, that sounds very familiar. Pretty sure I heard this episode. Yeah, so he was a guy who basically would travel at night in areas where women tended to walk alone, and he would assault and murder these women in like horrible ways and then go home to his wife and act as if nothing had happened. Of course. And it was all, you know, crimes of passion type of thing because his wife was frigid or whatever. And he, that he used that as an excuse to justify what he did. What he did. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I feel like the oldest true crime case that we covered on is Pookie tells that guy lived he was in jail and he died of a heart attack in jail. But like by the time that happened, he had already killed like I don't know how many women. It was like, a, I forgot the guy's name, but it's like the first recorded serial killer in Mexico. Gotcha. But yeah, I'm like, by the time they get caught, everybody, every, everyone they heard is already, you know, gone. And they, yeah, he, he lived like years after that and then died of a heart attack in jail. So it's like, yeah, should have happened sooner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he went by the moniker of El Sacamantacas. That's what I of, thought. Yes. Okay. I, was like, I know that's not familiar. Yeah. El Sacamantecas. Yeah, he... Mantecas like butter, isn't it? No, not butter. Lard? Yeah, lard. lard. Yeah, like the... Yeah. I looked it up because I wanted to see how he died. He was 60. In prison, he was garroted to death. So basically... They put a collar around his neck and then they slowly tightened it. Ooh, with a God. Oh, oh, to God. Him to death. Okay, well, he deserved that. <laughs> he deserved it. And he was 60 at the time he was executed. But yeah, he killed a lot of people. And I think he kind of deserved what he got for being. Yes. Yeah. Should have happened sooner. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. Damn, I didn't know that. I did not recall that that's how he died. That's pretty gruesome. It is. I remember <laughs> reading that at the time and being like, holy oh. cow. Like, I had never heard of that I being an execution know. method. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just the fact that they had to, like, slowly crank and it. And just keep going. Someone, yeah, someone had to sit there doing that in front of, like, that's insane. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, again, he deserved it. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. One of my favorite, not favorite, but because they're terrible people. They were horrible, but they're these four sisters that were, I mean, they're like not really serial killers because they weren't out here doing all the murdering themselves, but they were terrible people. They ran these brothels. Their names are Las Poquianchis. And this is like 1960s Mexico. And by the time they got caught, they had already like taken so many, so many women, girls, uh, killed, had their people kill a bunch of people, right? All this had happened, mm-hmm. but they were sent to jail. One of them died of cancer, didn't even go to jail. She just died of cancer before it all went to trial. Another one was in jail and there was like some freak accident and like, you know, like uh, those set Looney Tunes, like Anvil. Yeah, yeah, yeah type of things like it just like hit her in the head and she died uh there was a construction going on in the jail and that's how she died she got hit in the head with some something that was going on in construction and so that makes me laugh what is the other one i don't remember two because i know two of them died in jail or something like that one of them is like she got out she did her sentence and she nobody knows what happened to her after presumably Mm. she lived her life after prison but the one that makes me laugh again it was like the meanest one that you know started all of it she was the one mm-hmm. that got hit in the head with the thing and died so mm-hmm. that's pretty funny that's like a that deserved is. death yeah that's a little <laughs> bit of poetic justice there to yes. to be the mastermind and then get hit in the head and die that way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like some looney tunes type shit that's funny <laughs> like oh what a wacky ass death for real so on that note, what is something good you'd like to share? I was telling you about this before we started recording, but I got mm-hmm. a new bike that ha- it's like a cargo bike and it has two seats in front of it and I can ride with my kids. So that's been mm-hmm. fun because I used to do a lot of mountain biking, but since the youngest one was born, I haven't been able to do it. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sell the mountain bike and just get this cheesy ass looking nerd bike. <laughs> Because I look goofy as fuck riding it. But you know what? I get to ride my bike. They're in there chilling. I can see them. Because normally I would attach a trailer to the back of my bike. But then they yeah. start throwing hands back there and crying and yeah. shrieking. And Especially then I when you see. got little kids. It's not like yeah. you can like be pedaling and then be like. Ugh. Four and almost two. And I'm like, no. Yeah. And But now they're in front of me and I can see them perfectly fine. And mm-hmm. so it's the second time I use it this today, just before we started recording. But then we got caught in the rain. But yeah, that's that's my happy happy uh, news. Yeah, that sounds fun. Like I miss biking. My oldest kind of took over my bike, which I'm fine with as long as it's getting some <laughs> use. I don't really care. Yeah. And she can't drive yet, so she's like, I need some sort of wheels so I can escape you guys from time to time. And I'm like, I totally get it. No worries. <laughs> I would do yeah. it too. let's see my something good is over the weekend we went to valley fair which is an amusement park here in minnesota we took my husband there for father's day and there's a roller coaster there called the wild thing and it's the tallest roller coaster in minnesota i thought you were gonna say um the world for a sec oh god (laughs) it feels like it He really wanted a family picture of all of us on the roller coaster. So even though I am terrified of heights, I agreed to go on it. You deserve an award because I would not do it. Yeah. So now we have a picture of all four of us on the wild thing and we each got keychains. So now I have. I love it. The picture was so cute, too. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, 
get ready to smile because the camera's in the little tunnel that you go through at the very end. And I just like had this grimace on my face for like a few hilarious, at least a, at least a minute because I was like, I don't want to smile. I'm I'm like horrified this whole time. <laughs> As I'm also trying to calm down our youngest who's sitting next to me because she's having like a mental breakdown and crying oh, and no. sobbing. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here like, oh, this oh, is great. You know, yeah. just like yeah. white knuckling it. So that's my something good. Yeah, your your pic your face in the picture really sells what you just said. Like it and now it really all puts it into like, oh yeah, I could see that now. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to share it on social, but I'm gonna like blur out my kids' faces. But yeah, it was it was pretty comedic and my <laughs> husband loved it. So happy belated Father's Day again, Thomas, for your photo. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to start shutting her down. Looking for more content? You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. If you'd like to see pictures from this week's episode, not to mention bonus content and funny memes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at yieldcrimepod and on Facebook and Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. On TikTok, of course you are. Follow us at Yield Crime Podcast. A great way to support the show if you want to help us out, but you can't do so financially, is to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, Podcast Addict, and really wherever you can leave a rating and review. If you want a playlist of all our episodes on YouTube, click the link in our show notes or in our link tree and subscribe today for not only a list of our full catalog, but a separate list as well, just of our Can You Crack the Cramp Word segments. Before we go, would you like to shout out your podcast, Christina? Yeah, thanks. My first one, I guess. Let me just start off this list. Spooky <laughs> <laughs> Where we talk about haunted places, myths, legends, sometimes true crime. Not very often, but that's Spooky Tales. And then my other one is Historias Unknown. That's my Latin American history podcast where my twin and I talk about stories that might be unknown. Sometimes they involve racism, corruption, genocide, and they're very depressing. But other times they're very uplifting mm -hmm. about power and resistance and community. Mm -hmm. And then my other one is a Mexican soap opera rewatch podcast called Novelas con Cafecito. And we rewatch Mexican soap operas and recap them and have a good time and Sammy's over here singing that sounds amazing telenovelas like I don't under understand Spanish but just the acting in it brings me so much joy like it's, it's hilarious yeah it's so good I should send you some of my favorite like meme screenshots from one of them I couldn't tell you which one it is but I could um, tell you <laughs> I'm sure you could I'm sure you could based off the actress but on that note as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Christina. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime.